Hi coaches and welcome to the second to last episode of the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast Season 2. Today my guest is Lloyd Bruce Burgess. In 2019, Lloyd gave up his comfortable, well-paying job as the director of tennis for Genesis Health Clubs in order to pursue his dream of becoming a college coach. To that end, he joined the University of South Florida staff as a volunteer assistant where he served for five months before being named the men's assistant coach at the University of Iowa in January 2020. He helped the Hawkeyes to a historic few months there before the season was cancelled and then learned that the program would be eliminated at the end of the 2021 season. In this podcast, we discuss Lloyd's decision to step away from a successful career to join the college coaching ranks, how his years in management apply to his role as a college coach, and how he is dealing with having his career disrupted once again, this time through no fault of his own. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lloyd and wish all the coaches making transitions this summer the very best of luck. Lloyd, welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, good to be on with you. I, I got to meet you at the convention when we were actually having in-person conventions a couple of years ago, and and uh, it's been fun to kind of watch your uh, your I guess evolution in the profession. Yeah. And I know there's many great things to come. You're going through a bit of a hard time right now, but yeah, those will. Uh, will sort themselves out here so really uh trying to put a, a spotlight on on some assistant coaches as well right now and and um uh, so excited to get your perspective and get the perspective of some other assistant coaches so let's get straight into it so you began your college tennis coaching journey at cowley uh college junior college and then transferred to naia fresno Pacific. Yep. How did some of those experiences influence the lens through which you view your role as a college coach today yeah um, certainly, uh, the perspective as far as, um, what is available to the players, um, at school like Iowa or even South Florida, um, Wichita state where I, I'd spent some time, um, just, just very different appreciation. I think from, from my end as a coach seeing it and I think reminding the players of how, how lucky they are at times, um, also really helped me with understanding kind of why I want to do this as well. Cause the coaches at, at Fresno and Cowley were, you know, they, they weren't getting the same kind of help that is available to us, uh, at power five program. Um, you know, they had to do so much of, uh, of the other stuff that we just, we just don't have to do. We're so lucky to be doing mainly recruiting and, and coaching. Whereas, you know, they're, they're doing everything um at schools like that and also they're following a passion and um especially especially Neil at, at Fresno he it's funny his his journey was so similar to the, the the one I took um he was an assistant coach after college um as as I was um on my OPT and then he went into the club industry and, and he became a director as well and then when they started a, a tennis program at Fresno Pacific he uh, took on that job there um, and it was obviously a, a big pay cut um, for him, which is, um, which is what happened to me, um, especially since I, I, my pay cut was pretty, pretty big since I became a volunteer from, from a director of tennis. So um, you go from director of tennis to uh, zero income. Um, but yeah, he, he, he did the same thing and it was cause, cause he loved it and uh, that's what he wanted to do. And, and he built something amazing at Fresno and, 
you know, they went on to be an NAIA powerhouse and, and won national championships, I think, within two years. I think maybe it was in his third year. He won his first national championship. And and I you know, I still talk to him today. He still helps me a lot with stuff. And I mean, he he really did a great job of understanding the the players he needed to get to win at that level. And he went and got JUCO transfers that weren't eligible for NCAA. Um, or guys coming in that just immediately weren't eligible for NCAA but could get into could get into Fresno. Um, so he understood the system. He knew who he needs to get, and and then he he did a great job. So you know, I still still talk to him today and, and take a lot of lessons from that. I don't know if you know this, but Neil was actually my assistant coach when I played at Fresno State. So wow, yeah. Wow. So Neil, did, if you're listening, what is up? Uh, give did him not my, know that. My yeah, yeah. Small world. A small world indeed. So, yeah, you mentioned there your director of tennis at Genesis Health Clubs mm-hmm. from 2013, 2019. What are some of the administrative management skills that you developed during that time that really serve you well now as a college coach? Yeah, it's obviously a different different route that a lot of than a lot of um, assistants go. So I think I, I was I was pretty sure that side of things would would help me a lot, um, or at least stand out a little compared with some assistants. But um, I think um, managing a budget, um, I think that's something that's that's huge when I eventually move into a head coaching role, which which is obviously my goal. Um, that's something that I was just I just had to do on a day to day basis. Um, being aware of the constant uh, back and forth, electronic emails, um, communication, that kind of stuff, which I think for a lot of people isn't isn't a necessity. Especially, you know, a lot of assistants are pretty young. This is maybe their first first role. Um, for me, being in that director of tennis role, if if you weren't on top of stuff as far as uh, email communication, phone communication um, with your boss, with clients, with your staff. Um, things just didn't flow and, and you didn't make improvements. And Genesis was a, is a, is a company that is, um, it's not, it's not just a country club um, kind of thing. It's, it's a pretty large company now and it's, it's very um, financially driven. And so um, those financial reports are coming in daily and you're judged quarterly. And so you're, you're in, you're constantly looking at the numbers and you're expected to beat the ones from, from the previous year. So um, it, it was just a, it was, it was like, you know, constantly running a business, which was, which was really important. Um, which is really important for me to take those skills. I think coming into college tennis, I think would be really important when I'm recruiting more. I've obviously not got a ton of, ton of chances to do a lot of recruiting, uh, since we, uh, since we've been cut. Um, but I felt that it was pretty helpful with the, the small amount of recruiting I did do. Yeah, I think that's something I'm giving a, a lot of thought to as I try and help a little bit with coach education and just really understanding what what will the future college coach look like? What will they need? Where will they be putting uh, much of their energies and attention? And, and um, how do we go about helping them develop those skills or at least making them aware that that these skills are important today and they'll be even more important in, in the future? So yeah. what are some of those business skills do you think the next generation of college coaches will need to develop? Yeah, I think, I think something that's often not looked to looked upon as a, as a, as a business skill is communication and, and being personal. Um, but, but, um, being personal with, with people is so huge as far as, um, maintaining, uh, the growth of a business. And when you're talking about college, college tennis, obviously, uh, fundraising is huge. And so, um, being able to create relationships with with donors and uh, moving on to 
trying to be as self-sufficient as you can for your program. I think that part of things is, is absolutely essential. Um, when we're looking at college tennis and, and trying to trying to support ourselves as we're, you know, non-revenue sport at this time, obviously it would be great to think that in the future, we might be able to make some changes that, that make us um, a revenue sport. Mm. And so uh, other than your experiences within that role at Genesis, how are you going about developing those skills going forward as, as you look to stay in this industry for decades to come? Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff that that I did as an assistant, um, Ross involved me in, which is which is great. You know, he knows that I want to be a be a head coach, so um, he'll send me over. Okay, this is what I do for this. This is what I do for this situation. So he just keep me in the loop a lot. Ash would do the same while I was at South Florida, just so I was kind of aware of of what they might need to do. Um, so yeah, that that was really the a big part of that. Um, at the moment, I'm I'm really just focused on on myself and and um, looking to move into college tennis in an assistant role or, or head coaching role as much as I can. I think I've, I've spent a lot of time in my life developing um, business skills and, and running a club really helped with that. And so now my main focus is, is looking more at how I can build connections and how I can show people that you know, this is the industry that I really want to be in. And I think I can do a great job in it. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about why you want to be in this industry. So yeah, you're, you're in a great role there at Genesis. You're making yeah. good money. Life is good. Uh, or maybe it wasn't. And, and that's why you wanted to make the change. But can you expand a little bit on why, why this decision to move from yeah. Genesis to being a volunteer coach? Yeah. Um, well, it was something I always wanted to do. I, I, my first year in college, I, I spoke to Josh Cobble, who was my, my head coach there. And I was, it, it was taking a little bit of time for me to really realize what he was doing. But the more I realized, you know, this is, this is what he does full time as a job, the more I started to think, wow, like that, that seems like something I'd love to do. And after, I think, it, I think it was in about my second semester, I decided as a freshman, I decided, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to stay in the U.S. and be a college tennis coach. Um, and it didn't really ever change. Um, I, I stayed in the U.S. because I wanted to be a college tennis coach. I was going to go back to um, to Great Britain and do my masters. Um, I was she. I was accepted into University of Edinburgh, and I was going to do a masters program there. Sorry, I spoke wrong. Sterling, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sterling, um, I was looking at Edinburgh's all at Sterling, and, and was going to continue playing tennis there as well. I'm sure most of you guys know listening that they. England has started to do a lot of uh, master's programs where, where people come over and, and are playing. So I was going to do that. And I actually went to Genesis for a summer because I had a friend who was, who was um, in the Wichita area and, uh, and I was working there just to make some money before going home. But I was, I was hesitant about going home because I knew if I went home, it'd be quite hard to get back over to the U S and, and be involved in college tennis. And Genesis basically said, look, if you stay, um, we'll help you with a visa. And so I stayed and I thought, well, you know, maybe I can get my visa and then I can move into college tennis. So as time went by, I then I was lucky. I got a promotion. Um, my, my current boss there, Simon Norman, he believed that a 25 year old clueless kid could, could run a, could run one of the clubs. And I, I got the opportunity and, um, so I was pretty lucky there to do that. And then things developed from there and I got into it. I was, I was enjoying it. I, I knew I wasn't enjoying it as much as I, as I would as if I was in college tennis, but I was, I was having a good time. Obviously all of a sudden I was making, making money. 
um, and things grew and the club grew and I felt that I was, I was pretty successful in my role. Um, and then eventually I got my green card and I got my green card in 2017. And but by that time I was, I was 29 years old and had a pretty, pretty set life. Um, but it, I, I just was continuing to talk to people, Ben, Ben Dunbar, Ben Dunbar, a good friend of mine at New Mexico. Um, I was always asking, you know, what, what should I, do you think I should do it? Do you think I should leave? And it was, it, the scary thing was that he was, he was saying which, the things that were right, which was if, if you're to leave, you're going to have to either go volunteer or you're going to have to take a job for 35,000, 40,000. And with what I was making, it just, it just didn't, it didn't sound very appealing. Um, and so I put it off a little bit and thought, oh, maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe someone will give me a chance. And I like applied for jobs online quite often and I never got them um, in college tennis. Um, and then eventually I just, I got to a point and I said, I was 31 and I said, look, I've either, I've either got to do this now or, or, or never. Um, and so, yeah, I, I applied for numerous jobs. I kept pushing it and, and got some interviews, didn't get them. Um, didn't get the job at South Florida, but luckily I had a family friend who lived um, about an hour from South Florida. And when Ash gave me the news that he was um, not going to give me the job and going with James Wilson at the time, um, I I offered to volunteer there. And uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a plunge, but I I packed up my my stuff and sold my house and basically sold everything and put it all in a in a in a car in a little coupe car and uh drove down to florida from there but I, I was lucky to get a lot of advice from people danny at um at wichita state he was really helpful um obviously you know being wichita as well i told him what i wanted to do and he was giving me a lot of advice and you know there was numerous other coaches as well that were, were really nice as far as just like i reached out and said hey this is what i'm trying to do um would you mind helping me robbie at, at clemson was another guy that um He'd he'd obviously had a, a very different path, but he'd he you know he'd left a, another industry to go into to college tennis, and and also was taking a big pay cut um, initially to get in. So people were just really helpful and and really supportive of my my idea. And um, yeah, I was I felt like I was lucky. I was I got there, I was there for two or three months, had a great experience in South Florida, and then you know this this job comes up at Iowa, and I get it, and it's a Power Five job, and fall into a situation where. Um, Ross had laid an amazing foundation, had taken the team from a situation where they were, uh, I don't think anyone would mind me saying they were, they were pretty bad, um, and, and moved them into a situation where they were relevant. And then I got here and all of a sudden we're, we're 20 in the country and things are looking great. And then COVID hits and, uh, yeah. And then we, we, uh, we get cut in August and, uh, yeah, things change rapidly. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that some more for sure, Lloyd. Um, but what what do you think? So let's take the South Florida example. Mm-hmm. You didn't get the associate, uh, assistant coaching position. Yeah. What what was it that you were lacking? Uh, let's just take that instance for first. Yeah. What was the feedback you received? Yeah. What why why wouldn't they hire you there? Yeah, um, college tennis experience really. I I done a year of it. I. I did a year as an assistant coach after college and I did a little bit of volunteering for Wichita State's men's program when I first got to for, to Wichita, but it just, it wasn't enough. It, it wasn't enough when there was other people applying. And obviously at the time I didn't know who else was applying, but um, you know, James Wilson had been a head coach and had been an assistant at, at Texas Tech. So really there's, there's no comparison there as far as our experience. And I, I 
believed for a long time. I was under the impression that perhaps, you know, being uh, the fact that I was a director of tennis at, at Genesis and, and the fact that I probably would have better administrative skills and they would see, you know, although maybe I wasn't out um, recruiting or, or looking at, um, you know, looking at the ITF website all the time and, and really like scouting for these players, I would have the skills um, required to be a good recruiter uh, um, and the administrative side, I'd be good. I'd be a good communicator and I'd be able to um, do that job really efficiently. But, but kind of, as I was finding out that stuff, it just, it just really didn't matter. So I think people who are trying to get into college tennis, um, unfortunately, you know, you got to start at the bottom. And, uh, and, and even if you're in a different, different industry right now, if you are in a club, in the club industry, and maybe you're the director of junior tennis or you're a director, even you think about thinking about doing it, it's, it's probably going to be a pretty big pay cut and, and you got to get in and you, you got to try and make a name for yourself quick. And, um, it's, it's a little bit of a scary plunge, but, uh, if anyone is considering that, they should, they should probably give me a call. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. And then, so what, what do you think? Um, change then so so Ross hires you after a few months of, of being a volunteer why what was different just with a few months experience yeah I, I think I was lucky to be honest not not much um, Ross is in a situation where Iowa you know paying the least in the big 10 for assistance um, so you know people aren't people aren't dying for this job that probably aren't other power five assistants really looking to leave and, and be the IR assistant. So um, that's one part of it. The other, the other element was that it was a quick hire. It was in, it was in, I think it was like December 24th or 23rd of 2019 when I got a call from Danny, who's, who's close friends with, with Ross and said, look, you know, Ross's assistant left. I put your name forward. And Ross was, Ross was looking at people and he, he was looking, I think he was looking at three different people and, and, he told me that you weren't going to get the job. Um, it was someone else. And, and the other person, um, basically, I guess didn't show as much commitment. Um, I came through well in the interview and Ross said, look, can you be here December 29th to interview? And I said, yeah, of course. And I think basically it was my willingness, um, rather than my, my skill set or my experience that got me there. And obviously Ross called James and he called, he called Ash and, and they said they thought I'd done a great job at, at um south florida so that helped but um yeah i mean i think mean, ross had to take a bit of a chance and um hopefully he'd say it paid off and we did a pretty good job and i thought we worked well together um so yeah really really not a lot it's it, it was luck and it was it was networking and knowing people and and talking to people and telling them look this is what i want to do and i think a lot of people felt my passion for the job so even if i'd not didn't know those people extremely well they knew how much I wanted to do it. And I think as well, hearing, hearing my story that I left a, a director of tennis job at, at 31 years old um, to go volunteer. I think that that probably shows a lot of people that, you know, this guy's pretty serious about, about doing this as a career. So that was it. That's that, I think that's what got me in. And then from there I was able to show what I could do. Yeah, I'd hope that that passion shines through. And then what do you think you've done well as an assistant coach? How, how do you think you've served the program at Iowa and, and what have you brought to that program? Yeah, I think the the part I seem to get the most um, feedback on that I, I tend to do well is, the, is connecting with the players and, and understanding each person individually. I think I do a pretty good job of of filling out their personalities and knowing 
knowing what they need to hear at, at certain times um, in order to bet, best put them in a position to to perform well. Um, I do feel that although I didn't get a lot of chance to recruit um, at South Florida or Iowa, uh, I feel that that side of things is an extremely, extremely strong side for me just based on um, my ability to communicate um, my organization. Um, I set up, you know, the, when we were able to talk to 2022 kids, um, which came in, I think June, um, I, I'd had a ton, ton of phone calls set up really, really quickly. Um, so just, just managing that side of things was, I think is a big, big benefit my, for, from my end. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think the, the understanding players and, and really developing good relationships, I think that's the, that's the side that I've had the most compliments on, I would say. Good stuff. And then, ooh, you know, as you've mentioned, so you get to Iowa December 2019 or you get offered the job. Yeah. Uh, nine months later, now you're hearing the news that the program's going to be eliminated at the end of the season in, in 2021. Yeah. Um, so how, how did this news filter to you? How did you absorb it? And, and how are you thinking about it all today? Yeah. Um, well, there was, we, we'd been told that we had, we had these phases that we were going through based on COVID. And one of the phases, if we we're not able to play football in the fall, um, was going to be um, cutting sports if we reached there. So we knew it was possible. Um, and then we kind of heard whisperings of sports were going to be cut on, it was, I can't remember if it was a Friday or if it was a Monday. I, I think it was a Friday. Um, and you know, at the time, Ross was pretty confident it wasn't going to be us. Um, but, you know, we weren't, we weren't sure. Uh, and then I was, I was in the gym Friday morning or Monday morning, whichever it was. And I had some lessons I was supposed to be going to at 8 or 9 a.m. And I got um, an email saying that uh, saying that we were requested to be in the gym at maybe I think it was 7 or something, 8 o'clock. Um, and then I called Ross um, and basically asked him if he'd seen the email because I was thinking perhaps if he didn't have an email requesting that, that maybe I was just being furloughed, which was kind of what we were hoping for because thought, you know, what would be a useful scenario for them was, was potentially furlough the assistant coaches. And that, that would be, that would be something perhaps they were doing, but Ross said, no, he had an email as well. And then we realized the guys also had had an email. Um, and then we were pretty sure at that point that, we knew what was coming, and so yeah, we we went. We were called into uh, into the gym, um, and then yeah, the news was delivered by by uh, Gary R R E D. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I look. I can imagine the reactions, and and uh, you know, re remember that time uh, yeah. well um, because it was, uh, it wasn't just happening at Iowa. Right. I mean, it was, it was happening all over the country at all different yeah. divisions. And I, I think um, we were the first, we were the first power five school right. and then Minnesota followed. Um, but are you, the other part of your question is kind of what am I, what am I doing today or how am I doing today with it? It's, it's interesting. It's kind of up and down because, um, there's, Obviously, I, I took a lot of risk to get to this point and I felt that I, I got really lucky 
um, because you know, because of my age, I'm, I'm 33. Um, I got I got lucky to get this position um, so quickly after deciding to to leave Genesis, and obviously it's not an extremely high paid position, but um, being at a top 20 school in a Power Five program, it's, it was it was pretty good to to be in that situation. And um, obviously, this wasn't somewhere I was gonna I was gonna be at forever as an assistant. I was looking to move on, um, but I felt that. I was lucky enough to be here and I would be able to move on somewhere, uh, have an upward move from here. Um, and I could be at that next spot for either, you know, for a very, maybe for life, or maybe it would be, you know, another assistant role that would be kind of two to five years and, and move on from there. Um, whereas now it's obviously it's, it's pretty scary because, um, you know, how long do I wait? Um, my, my employment ends July 1st. Um, what's my next move? Um, Hope, hoping to not take a backward step in my career, hoping to be in a situation where I can be somewhere for a, for a serious amount of time in my next role. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a little scary, um, but I'm trying to stay as positive as possible at the moment. Um, and I'm also trying to not pull the trigger on, on something too soon uh, as well. So it's, mm-hmm. it's up and down. It's, it's up and down for me and it's up and down for Ross and, and, and for the guys as well. It's, it's been hard to have, a productive season. Um, you know, I, it's, it's certainly been tough for me, but when you think of it from, from Ross's perspective, it's, it's extremely difficult. It's a program that, that he built up um, here. He moved here and he had a vision and felt like he, he almost created the vision. We got to top 20 and wanted that NCAA tournament, um, had never got it. And we were looking like we were going to make it. And then COVID hit. And then when we were cut, even, you know, moving back into this year, we, we ended up losing, losing a player that was going to come that went somewhere else, which um, potentially affected us as far as having a good season this year. And then of course, um, being cut affects, affects the guy's performance as well. Um, mm. So it just, yeah, it, pretty, pretty difficult situation. I have no doubt about it. I, I can't even imagine. Um, but I'm just interested in what you've learned through this process. I mean, it, it, you know, do you have any better understanding as why tennis was eliminated? And also then how does that influence how you'll do the job going forward? Does, does it impact that in any way? Or, or you know, are you going to be even even more hungry than you already are because because you've been through this and you know it's a possibility i know i'm giving you a lot of questions there but yeah 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 um yeah i think i'm i'm fully committed to being in the industry so i don't think the hunger is gonna is gonna fade um i know this is what i want to do and i want to do it to as high level as i can i can possibly do it and i I don't think that's gonna change anything It, it it frustrates me that that we were the victim of of losing our jobs and and having a having a program cut. Um, but I also understand why we are the option there as well. Um, you know, Title Nine was was listed as as um, the main reason for men's tennis being cut um, versus it being a, a budget a budget thing. Um, I think I'm speaking correctly on that. Um, so that, that was certainly somewhere we were affected, but, um, moving forwards, um, for me, Ross had, Ross had mentioned this as well. It, it's, 
that he he wanted to look at and I think it's good advice was in your next program that you go to try and figure out if the administration have an investment in tennis it's not just coming from donors are they are they invested whether that's financially or is does the ad have have a vested interest in in tennis in particular just trying to look at that and now that may not be an option um but if that is the case you're less likely to be cut um i think was his thought process and i think that's a, a good way to look at it um but as far as you know why we were cut i mean obviously we don't make money we cost money um and then we're you know we're a men's sport so you know, those things combined, it's it's obvious we were going to be considered. Um, there are a lot more men's tennis programs than some other sports out there, but you know people were going to be people were going to be hurt no matter what. People were losing their jobs, people's lives were being turned upside down, players, coaches. So, um, if I was to sit here and make an argument, it shouldn't be us. It should be someone else. Like, sure, I'm sure there are arguments for that, but. But at the end of the day, it was it was going to happen. They, were, they decided they were going to cut sports, and it happened to be us. So, if if your next role, say, is at an institution where you don't feel like the support is there, maybe from the AD or, or the the campus as a whole, but it's it's an opportunity, it's a chance for you to to stay in this industry. How do you think you'll go about making that program? relevant and and having the ad buy in and invest and have other um you know i guess stakeholders within the community yeah. invest in making tennis relevant yeah well that will be something i'll i'll have to learn along the way um obviously the fundraising is is a huge piece that everyone talks about and i know that was that was at our in-person conference um in naples i i sat through um i sat through one of those and and got got some good advice there from Vince. Um, uh, so it's, I think that piece is going to be the, the biggest part of it. And we've got to, we've got to try and make ourselves as, as self-sufficient as possible. And um, that'll be something I'll be looking to do. Obviously I've not, I've not done a whole lot of that. I feel like I've got the skill set to do it and um, believe that some of my prior experiences will help with that. Um, and probably my passion for college tennis is going to be another part of that. But um that's, I think that's going to be, that's going to be the piece that, that keeps this stuff going for us unless we can figure out a way to, to generate revenue from, from college tennis. Right. All right. Well, on to less gloomy matters. What is a book that made a major impact on you as a coach? Uh, the energy bus. John Gordon. Yeah. Okay. Why, why did that impact you? It's actually recommended to me by by Ash, um, so I read it pretty recently. Um, but the the positive mindset, the ability to go into, I mean, we, we face so many gloomy situations as as a tennis team, and just the the constant ability to try and try and bring your team up and elevate and be positive, I think is is so huge because they're looking to you to lead and they're going to follow your your demeanor and if it's not positive um from your end at the top it's going to be hard for for them to be positive okay very good are you going to catch some flack from your friends back in the uk that say your most impactful book is the energy bus i know back in ireland and uk we're not supposed to read any books that are full of positivity Probably, yeah. I feel like I've, I've almost shifted over to a full, full-blown American now, though. So. <laughs> um, what is your favorite drill to do at your team? Um, I don't, I don't have a favorite drill, um, but uh, Ross is Ross is huge on hitting tons of balls and, and high intensity and, and keeping things extremely simple. 
um, and uh, that the way the way he structured things here has been has been pretty eye opening, honestly. Um, and and the fact that we do a lot of we do a lot of drills. Um, sorry, we do a lot of the same drills over and over. The guys are able to execute it at a high level. I think he just keeps intensity up, and and I think it's really valuable. Name one thing you've changed your mind on in recent years, coaching or in life. Keeping things simple. I I spread myself very thin um, in the past, and just trying to keep things simple moving forwards. Okay. Do you have a favorite quote? Favorite quote. I wrestled with this, um, but don't make it too positive now. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think especially for the current situation, is your excuses might be legitimate, but they won't improve your life, which I think I need to implement often right now. Mm, yeah, that does seem very apt. Um, what is one lesson you hope all the players have learned from you by the time they graduate? Um, you don't need to be your best to win or to perform well. Um, something I always talk about. I think you guys probably make fun of me for saying it so often. Um, but yeah, it's I, I, I think it's so valuable in, in life and in tennis. And uh, when the guys are out there and they're, they're not having a good day, um, you know, you've seen it. You've seen it with tennis players. Everyone likes to complain and tell everyone how badly they're playing. But if they can be happy trying to find a way to win when they're not at their best, um, that's where we're going to have the best results. Well, Lloyd, I've, I've no doubt you have a bright future in our industry here. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, sharing some of your, your story and best of luck with your next steps. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it.